Hey everybody, welcome back to Beats, Rye, and Types, your favorite podcast about music, food, and programming. And we are back again, and we're feeling good. We, uh, you feeling were just brought good. in, yeah, real good. You were just brought in by the psychedelic sounds of Kunarin, who are a Thai band that I discovered. Actually, funnily enough, like if you ever go to Pock Pock's Whiskey Soda Lounge and you sit there, often they're playing like this Vietnamese and Thai like covers of American pop music. I don't know if you ever heard that in the background. I did hear it's, that. Yeah. yeah. And they're mm-hmm. good. And I'm like, oh, I was like thinking about that the other day. And I was like, I wonder if I could find some like kind of psychedelic sounding Thai music. So I started looking around and I found this band who are, um, I guess uh, they're like a like a loose collection of street performers, Thai street performers, and an American um, producer similar, I think, to like Buena Vista Social Club went out to Thailand and discovered them and produced these two albums that they put out. And it's it's just really good music. It's like good summer jams, good barbecue jams. Like I don't know, I've been listening to it a lot. Sweet. I like I just heard it for the first time and really enjoyed it as well. How you doing, MRB? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I don't know if anyone I don't know if people out here know that I got a dog. Did we talk about that? No, we didn't talk about that. That was one a thing we didn't mention in the We Are Back episode. I got a dog. He's super chill. His name is Eno. He's sleeping by my backpack right now. <laughs> he's kind of like a cat dog. Cause he's small or cause he's chill. He's small, he's quite chill, he's lazy. But he's like a dog in a way that's better than cats, I guess. <laughs> I like him. It keeps me company. Nice. I was getting lonely. I guess we didn't talk about that was part of my remedy for loneliness when I got too lonely and realized I needed some friends. And then I got a dog, which is pretty, pretty good. Pretty good substitute for a uh, person. Yeah. As it were. And then I get to find out who knows who Brian Eno is, because when I say his name is Eno, <laughs> some people know, some people it's don't. It's a test. Yeah, it's a test. Yeah. It's a built-in test. Coolness test. Built-in coolness test. You could have gone deeper, and I guess I could have. Yeah, but then then that's kind of being pretentious, I guess. But but he's also it's also a cool name. I it's like, true. Quite like the it's name. True. Quite like the name. And then if we get another dog, we can name it Fripp. <laughs> so yeah, that's you never deeper. Know. Yeah, and then and then, <laughs> and then King Crimson fans <laughs> might bristle at that. Uh, but yeah, no, I've been good. It's uh, been uh, enjoying the fruits of my uh, garden, pickling some cucumbers and curing some garlic and hanging some chili peppers to dry and eating tomatoes and uh, that kind of stuff. I'm, go- I'm about to uh, go on vacation for a couple of weeks starting tomorrow. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Nice. I'm coming to visit you in yes. Kingston. We're very excited we about should that. Record a, we should record it. Oh, definitely. App. Yeah, we got to record that. We might be drunk, but that's cool. <laughs> Even better. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it. We're here today to um, to talk about one of our favorite foods. Yeah. I th- Did you want to introduce this topic? Sure. Because I have a poem too, but should we wait for the poem or? No, just, just do the poem actually. And let's see. I mean, people will guess we'll know because of the name of the episode. But if you're listening to this and don't know <laughs> the name of the episode, maybe you can guess by the by the poem. We'll see. Spheroid fruit, pleasing to taste, fattened by water gushing in all the gardens, glossy cupped in its petiole, ah, heart of a lamb in a vulture's claws. That is a poem entitled Eggplant 
by Ibn Sarah, who was born in Portugal and lived in Portugal from 1043 to 1123 A.D. So that is approximately a 1,000-year-old <laughs> poem about the rapturous eggplant. And we did other eggplant research, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so eggplant, it's kind of funny because we were like, we should do an episode about eggplant. And if you look at our tips, we've tipped more about eggplants <laughs> than like any other food. <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's a lot about about eggplants in the pizza book. And Aaron decided, you know, we should do it. Aaron said we should do an episode about eggplant. And then we it kind of has been a few weeks since we said that. And since then, we were both like, man, I just can't stop thinking about eggplants. (laughs) So we felt like we were vindicated in our choice to dedicate an entire episode to them. But what what sparked your uh, initially what what me of all of the. Of, of all, all the, the vegetables, of all, yeah. Of all the foods, really, yeah. but of all the vegetables specifically, I guess. Uh, you know what? It, it's one of those things, when we were writing the, the book, too, uh, I kept coming back to these things that are, that some people see as kind of like acquired tastes or that people, that create kind of guttural reactions in people, either that they like love something or hate something. And I feel like eggplant is one of those things. And it's like anchovies and olives and other like strong tasting cilantro cilantro yeah well cilantro is like a known thing where there's like a chemical thing where people right. but but still right. like there are things that people just like decide that they don't like or like mustard like things like that where it's like which all those things obviously we we both love so it's it's hard to 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 are you listing our favorite foods <laughs> on purpose or hard to hang out with the people who don't necessarily love those things but i think I think part of I was just trying to think about like why do people dislike eggplants and I you know what like a couple of years ago I also didn't love eggplants and I think part of the reason especially when you're cooking it at home eggplants one of those things that when it's not cooked properly it's like really not good as opposed to like a tomato if you like undercook a tomato or you undercook I don't know like most other vegetables they'll just be texturally a little off but it won't be so bad undercooked eggplant is like one of the worst things i would say yeah uh, so i was like starting to think about that i was like why is that why what what happens to eggplant like the science about it and then i was thinking about eggplant recipes and reading a lot of cookbooks about and cooking on eggplant and it also happens to just be eggplant season you know at the farmer's market every week we've been getting tons of eggplants and there's some eggplants little baby eggplants growing in my backyard so it's just it's just on my mind i think in summertime i just think a lot about eggplants and and that's my jam. What, what about you? What were you thinking about when you when we said eggplants? Yeah, I think a lot of the same things. I mean, it is a it, it it's a very interesting uh, food. It was a very interesting vegetable, like you said. It's a pain to prepare, but when you cook it properly, it has a lot of it has a lot of properties that aren't present in a lot of other vegetables, right? Uh, and it takes well with a lot of. Uh, foods from my favorite regions around the world and in reading the history of the eggplant. Uh, so I was doing some research earlier today on our quest to not sound like morons when we talk about <laughs> topics on the, on the podcast. I was reading some research from Purdue University Center for New Crops and Plant Products, and they have a really cool PDF, which we'll put in the show notes, which basically outlines the the paper is entitled History and Iconography of Eggplant, uh, and it's written by two. Um, it's where I found out about that 12th century Portuguese poem about eggplant, and it goes back to 
uh, how eggplants uh, started in India and moved uh, east through China and Asia. And in India, it was called the king of the vegetables. Might be a good title for this podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, king, good, good idea. The, that, that, that would allow us to maintain the mystery. <laughs> yeah, we could just call true. it the king of the vegetables and then people could learn that that is eggplant. <laughs> this uh, article that I found is really cool because it shows people paying homage in art and literature to the eggplant going back like just thousands of years, basically. You know, it shows or a couple thousand years in terms of like surviving reproducible art. There's a Chinese eggplant with globular and possibly white fruits woodcut from 1330. Then in Japan, Korea, and then it talks about the treatment of eggplant for uh, medicinal purposes in in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, and they kind of uh, are speculating as to why they thought that it was medicinal. And I th- it, they basically say that like because they thought that bitter things were like good for you because of the way that uh, you know with the their their conception of the body and the humors and all that stuff. So if you had like a if your blood was hot or whatever, you're supposed to eat bitter food or something yeah, like yeah. that. So it's kind of funny to think about, right? Because you had this like nutritional or health motivation to consume this eggplant. So they're like, fuck, we better figure out how to make this thing palatable. It's mad bitter <laughs> and we have to eat or eat it because my, you know, the alchemist said I was too bilious today and needed to consume more, uh, <laughs> needed to consume more eggplant to chill out my humors. So You're an asshole. Eat more eggplants is what you're trying. Exactly. Yes. I think it's a really delicious food that's a really hard to cook. It's present in American Italian food, Italian Italian food, Thai food, Vietnamese food, Indian food, Middle Eastern food, obviously. Middle Eastern food, sure. Japanese food. Uh, It's is you know it's all over the place. All of our favorite cookbooks have some eggplant recipes in them. Alice Waters likes eggplants. Uh, You know everyone likes eggplants. There's there's really something to them when you get the bitter out and you get them tender and you play with the texture and pair them with some good rich fats uh, and proper seasoning. It's a really, it's a really awesome thing. I I like so many different uh, preparations of eggplant. Once we started about, I started cooking eggplant too. After we started talking about it, I made it a really good, uh, I made a good Thai uh, eggplant dish from the, um, Hot, sour, salty, sweet. It's called like the best. Oh, yeah. I just, I just made that two nights ago as well. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. That was it's really great. good. I really like that. Um, and uh, I haven't made fried eggplant in a while, but I love fried eggplant. And, and we uh, have often, um, I think our sandwich episode that our one of our first episodes was like mostly <laughs> an eggplant episode because we talked a lot about the DeFonte's fried, uh, ethereal fried eggplant. So that's a little bit about the history of the consumption and literature of eggplant. But what about what what can what can people do at home? Like what's a if 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 they're intimidated by um, making eggplant, what's a good thing? What's a good thing to start with? That's a good question. So I was reading one about the recipes, and then I also like to understand a little bit more about why certain eggplant recipes are better than others. 
and why there are often steps repeated. I went to the our one of our primary sources, which is Harold McGee's on food and cooking, which anytime I have any questions about like food, food science or food history, really, that's the first place I start. For those who don't know, eggplant is it's a nightshade plant. So it's related. It's a cousin of tomatoes. It's a cousin of peppers. And that's like peppers and tomatoes though a lot of this has been bred out of tomatoes it's it's bitter as a defense mechanism just like peppers are are spicy as a defense mechanism a lot of people recommend a bunch of techniques for pulling the bitterness out like pre-salting is a is a common a common thing you do you see when you're cooking eggplant but actually in reading some other articles it seems like salting actually might not take the bitterness out it has other things that it does but the bitterness actually is often um, a result of older or larger eggplants that the seeds have grown really big because it's or the area around the seeds is is what's bitter similar to similar to peppers actually like one of the things I learned in the past couple of years is that it's not the seeds technically that's spicy or that has the capsaicin in a in a in a hot pepper it's actually the ribs and it's because the yeah, ribs are right. ribs the, are touching the all seeds. the white part yeah yeah so. Similar, if you see a lot of black dots inside of an eggplant, that's usually what what ends up being the bitter part. So either cutting those out or just like uh, cooking them really thoroughly helps. And so the other thing I learned about eggplant through this was that the reason certain eggplants are really good and certain aren't, eggplant is one of those vegetables that's so much of it is water. Like it's almost entirely water, like the inside of an eggplant, which is one of the reasons why they can get so big and still not seem as heavy as they should be when they're so large um, is because they're mostly air and water. And the the cells, the cell structure like captures this water and and holds the water in. And that so when you're looking at an eggplant, I, I'm assuming if you look under under a microscope that I haven't seen it, you'll see kind of this cell structure that looks not that different from like if you're like zooming in on a piece of bread and a, a bread crust with all those holes but instead of having just air some have hair and some is, some are holding water and so what happens when you get a piece of eggplant that's undercooked and it's not good and spongy what it actually means is that that water the cell structure hasn't broken down enough for that water to be released and so what you end up getting is like this spongy texture, which is it actually is. It's like a sponge. It's just holding water in there, and that's what you do. So the, all the techniques for like cooking eggplant well basically involve expelling that water in some way, or at least a lot of it. Frying is a really common technique for eggplant. You fry it either like just giant chunks, and that's actually my favorite eggplant recipe. The the Naomi do good best eggplant dish ever is definitely similar and up there and my favorite is definitely fish fragrant eggplant which is Sichuanese preparation and it doesn't actually have any fish in it but that's just the technique and my favorite version of that recipe is from uh fuchsia dunlop's book land of plenty which is another very frequently used book in our house but basically all you do is you cut the eggplants thin and then you deep fry them <laughs> and you deep fry them and then after they're deep fried just so that they're brown and that the hot oil basically expels all that water. And that's what, when you, when you put an eggplant, like a raw eggplant into, into hot oil, like it'll bubble a lot. And that's that water escaping and bubbling in the hot oil. And then you take these like kind of briefly fried eggplants, just fried so that they're cooked on the outside and kind of moist, still moist on the inside. And then you make like a Sichuanese sauce out of Tobanjan, like the chili bean oil and all this other stuff. And you just coat or glaze the eggplants in that sauce. And it's just the 
one of the greatest dishes ever because the eggplants just absorb all that sauce and absorb all that flavor. If you do it well, they don't taste greasy. They don't taste fried. They just taste like very rich because basically what ends up happening, at least what Howard McGee says, is that when you um, expel that water, in a lot of cases, it actually absorbs all the oil too. And so what you end up, when you end up doing is replacing that water with oil and then you get something that's super rich tasting because it basically like a sponge absorbs all that oil too. And that's why those are good. And actually it's really funny when I started looking at all these recipes, so many of the recipes that I found about eggplant call things like the best eggplant or this is the most amazing eggplant or thing. And I think <laughs> it's because funny. like, like in the Zahav cookbook, which is another of my recent cookbook obsessions, he also has like the most amazing eggplant dish ever or whatever it's called. And it's basically not that different from the fish fragrant eggplant where you pre-fry the eggplants and then cook them in a sauce. But the sauce is like completely Mediterranean or Israeli. It's tomatoes and cumin and a bunch of other spices as opposed to, you know, chili oil and a bunch of other stuff. So it's interesting. Most of the eggplant recipes where you keep them whole are like that pre-cook them somehow and then cover them in a sauce um, versus like the baba ganoush recipe style thing where like you basically just cook them to their there's barely anything left and then you use that as like a cream or a dip. So it sounds like the tips are to find fresher eggplants. Uh, We always like small uh, small eggplants for things where you want to keep them whole but thick skin can also be annoying to deal with with um, eggplants and older eggplants. Uh, and certain varieties of eggplants have um, thicker skin and draw the moisture out of eggplant before uh, or, you know, the goal of cooking the eggplant is to draw as much of the moisture out and then, you know, to cook it to to get it sweeter. I think this some of the sweetness definitely develops as you cook it. Sure. And as there's there's definitely starches in there that are converting to sugars and producing something that uh, is sweet and brown and caramelly. And if you've ever just tossed an eggplant on a grill and walked away and come back a half an hour later, that's basically all you ever have to do to make a really good eggplant. You could take a lesson from that. Yeah, for if sure. you're frying them, fry them in really hot oil and don't don't crowd the pan. Harold McGee will be mad at you if you crowd the pan. <laughs> yeah, I mean that you mentioned the biology of uh, eggplant is really interesting the the, the uh, genus is Solanum and that that nightshade genus produces tomatoes, potatoes, and eggplants. So it's basically like, as Wikipedia says, it's a genus of flowering plant, plants which produce, which include two crops of the highest economic importance, the potato and the tomato. And the generic name was first used by Pliny the Elder, uh, who's the man? He's also the person that uh, discovered humulus lupus, also known as hops, which we like to drink a lot um, in, in the form of beer. So that's so the, the moisture thing is why you often see a lot of recipes that call for slicing and salting and then patting, and that is a you know a empirical way that you can see the moisture being removed from eggplant. And for I think for the purposes of battering and frying, when you're going to be like you know, putting some other moisture in or doing some, you want it to stay kind of dry and fried, so to speak. That's uh, a reason why you uh, pre-salt those things a lot, which is, it's, they're both awesome, different than frying them. A lot of Italian eggplant dishes call for basically just like salting, dipping in like seasoned flour and frying. Uh, and and that gets pretty close to that Asian or Middle, e- Middle Eastern technique that you mentioned before. Yeah, 
a while ago we also co- talked about we talked about trying to put uh eggplant on pizza too and one of the problems with eggplant on pizza is the same thing it's one of these vegetables that has so much water in it that if you try to just put it raw on a piece of pizza or even cooked and not drained properly it'll just leach water all over your pie and your pie will fall apart which is why you know when you see eggplant on pizza usually it's pre-cooked like fried and um added as sliced sliced eggplant kenji j kenji lopez alt one of our other often primary sources about food science and food cooking i started using his baba ganoush recipe last year when i was last summer when I was also very obsessed with eggplant and his technique for the baba ganoush, which is interesting is to make it richer after you cook the eggplant down to the, basically it's just falling apart and it's just this inside that you're pulling out of the skin. He then takes that eggplant flesh and puts it in, in a colander and, or actually a salad spinner and spins the eggplant out. And that actually draws even more moisture out. And in this case, you pull out more moisture and then you replace it with, again, with olive oil and then you cream it like that. And actually I've been doing that a lot and it works really, really well because if you do cook eggplant for baba ganoush and like have it on the grill or even in a broiler and let it cook down a lot even though you're pulling stuff out of the flesh and a lot of the moisture has evaporated there'll still be a lot of water and that brown or black ish water sometimes is also the most bitter part too so if you drain it out as best you can either sitting in a colander or in a salad spinner that actually improves the whole thing as well so that's a cool cool pro tip too I've never heard of that yeah. before. That's cool. I'm, I'm going to try that. I mean, definitely if you ever cook like a bunch of baba ganoush, water will pool on the top of it, yeah. you know, so you know there's you know there's definitely some. So we'll post some uh, of our favorite eggplant recipes in the show notes. And uh, if you have any follow-up questions about eggplant, then ask Harold McGee. Now you tweeted us at twitter.com slash types. We always like to hear your questions. And we were very happy to hear everyone encouraging us after our We Are Back show. So thanks for thanks for making sure that we know that you're still listening. Sweet. So it's MRB's turn to do a segment. So here, here we go. It's a new, a new, another new segment we're titling. What are we, what are we calling? You have to, we have to learn how to put some effects on my voice. <laughs> okay. For this, I'll, but... I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll make it, I'll make it <laughs> okay. happen. The name of this segment is Brain Jams. Brain Jams. Jams for your brain. Inspired <laughs> by the name of Aaron's segment. Put this in your face. This segment, Brain Jams, is uh, came about because I record right next to a giant pile of records, which is my record collection. So every segment of Brain Jams, I will reach beside me and grab a record. <laughs> and if it's a and if it's a brain jam, which pretty much all of my jams are brain jams, I will uh, call call it out on this show uh, thusly. So this today's brain jam, I was actually talking about this guy today. Today's brain jam is Grant Green's uh, 1971 album Visions, and I'm I'm holding it up for Aaron to yep. see the cover. It is really a cool, cool cover. You got you can't. It turns out they, they our listeners can't see the cover because it's radio. <laughs> but um, Grant Green was an extremely badass jazz guitarist who recorded a, t- a ton of albums for the Blue Note label, which is my favorite jazz record label and pretty much my favorite record label of all time. And uh, I'm an obsessive collector of Blue Note albums. And 
Grant Green is an amazing artist because he could pretty much play any style of music. You know, people think about jazz as being this thing that like it kind of all sounds the same, though, like you heard Nation Time last last week and you know that that's not true. Uh, If you're a listener of the show, you've probably heard a lot of different types of jazz. But anyway, uh, even on the Blue Note label itself, which people also think kind of has a sound, there were really like a lot of different kinds of sounds and a lot of different kinds of Blue Note artists. And Grant Green was one of the few uh, jazz guitarists that was associated with the label for a long time. So he ended up playing on a lot of different albums and could play uh, bop and hard bop jazz. He could play this kind of soul strut, funky jazz um, when he's playing with Jimmy Smith or playing with... What's this album I was listening to today that was so dope? It's this guy who... um, It's this guy who apparently... He's a jazz organist, but he was also a hairdresser at the same time because <laughs> he didn't make enough money being a jazz uh, jazz guy, one of those jazz guys. Using your hands for, uh, right? Yeah, that's right. That's a good call. That's a good call. Post. I'll post the uh, post the link to that in the notes. Uh, so Gr- Visions is a later album of Grant Green's. He he was uh, recording on Blue Note for a long time uh, into the you know starting in the fifties. Uh, and this is a later one. It's kind of kind of got a soul vibe. It's really open and beautiful sounding. And uh, that's that's this week's brain brain jams. Brain jams. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks everybody for listening again. Shout out to everyone who's getting the pizza book to you and sending us pics of the pizza that they made, or even just them receiving the book and looking thoughtfully at it. Um, we totally appreciate it, and it's keeping our stoke factor high for as we get through this next phase of of sales (laughs) and so if you don't have a copy of the pizza book and want to buy it you can go to store.make.pizza if you're interested if you listen to the podcast and haven't bought a copy and don't know if you want to buy a copy yet but are interested in making pizza you can learn all about making pizza by signing up for our email list course at make.pizza and as always you know send us your uh comments your feedback twitter.com slash beats ride types facebook.com slash beats ride types all of that thanks everybody for listening thanks everyone we really appreciate your support yeah definitely whoever you know that hasn't bought a copy of the pizza book it's time to escalate to like hunting them down. <laughs> Bo- bows and arrows. It's almost bows and arrows time. This the season, the zeitgeist of moral relativism tells me that I, I'm okay encouraging you to just steal if you need to just buy extra <laughs> copies. I have copies in person. I'll charge you double if you buy them in person. So if anyone is interested, um, no, but we, we can probably throw a, uh, we could probably throw a discount code up for our listeners. Um, it's, it's discount code beats rye types. How about that? Discount code beats, beats rye types for you get to pay 110% for the (laughs) price of the money. Um, no, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback about our new format. I know that brain jams is going to be a hit already. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we'll be back soon and, uh, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Later, bro. Peace. Peace.